This is episode zero of Adventure They Wrote. It's a rough recording, and I'll warn you of that ahead of time. This was originally going to be an hour-long one-shot. Just a quick test to see how our table chemistry worked out and whether this whole recording thing would even be viable. But it turned into a two and a half hour session. We had a great time playing. It was super fun. And while the sound quality isn't quite up to our current standards, it was a great story and we're really excited to share it with you. So we hope you'll enjoy the first half of episode zero. Night has fallen on the city of Splendors, but few of its citizens sleep. An oppressive heat hangs over the city like a wet owlbear skin rug. The occasional breeze off the Sea of Swords might, under normal circumstances, offer some reprieve to the heat. But now it only wafts the stench of whatever washed up on the beach during the day to bake under the scorching summer sun. The silence of the night is broken by the staccato rhythm of running boots on cobblestones, the sound of a creature in desperate flight. Were a denizen of Waterdeep to peer into the darkened streets, they may catch a glimpse of a small silhouette dashing through the streets. Max, this figure is Feats, the goblin fence that you have been searching for for the past several days. While he believes that he is running away from you, you've actually positioned yourself ahead of him. When he encounters you, he draws up short, surprised by your presence. Max says, dude, why do you keep running away from me? I'm just trying to find this stupid comb and you're my fence. Hey, uh, Max, uh, just the goblin I was looking for. Max grabs him by the lapels. Look, man, I just, this is my first actual paid case. I'm trying to do the best that I can. I'm going to cut you in on the reward. You just got to let me know where it is. Now, for the rest of the party, uh, the goings on in this alleyway have interrupted your evenings. Chris, Gilly is on his way home from the Waterdeep semi-final bare-knuckle boxing match, where he was eliminated in the final round by a half-orc named Brutus. Got to work on my reach. A bit dejected, you're walking past the alleyway when you hear this scuffle happening uh, inside. You notice, however, additional goblins positioning themselves at the end with naked blades. Talia, Celine has just been fired from her most recent lounge singing job. Of course. <laughs> you just don't appreciate me. Kat, the Countess was undercover at the bar in which Talia was fired, looking for some form of excitement. Uh, you enjoyed Talia's singing, and you enjoyed the brawl that she got in <laughs> just a little bit more. You decided to walk her out when you noticed the interaction between the two goblins alleyway. You're at the opposite side, and you also notice additional goblins ready to run in uh, with blades drawn. The Countess takes in the scene uh, a little bit giddy and says, Oh, my darling, it looks like this you had just uh, the appetizers for the evening. Brad Doran has been sleeping in that alleyway. Uh, you are awoken by the scuffle. 
and you see a goblin um, perched on a windowsill near the crossbow taking aim at the goblin detective Max. So, as everything is about ready to go down, I'd like all of you to roll initiative. Chris, what did Gilly get? Eight. Talia, what did Celine get? Celine got 21. Ooh. Ooh. Jason, what did Max get? 23, not 20. Oh, Cat, what did the Countess get? Lucky number seven. And Brad, what did Doran get? That'd be an eight. Oh, tied. You can go first. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's real magnanimous of you. Jason, you go first. You notice uh, while you're deciding what it is to do. Um, that Feats is making a surreptitious move for the blade in his boot. With my passive perception, do I notice the rest of the goblins around me? So you do you. not. Okay. In that case, uh, Max is just going to, he's going to, like, I've got a, a hold of him by the lapels. And I'm just going to pull him close. And I, and I say, if you pull that blade, you're going to regret it. Because then you won't get paid for when I collect the reward on this comb. And I'm going to, I would, uh, Max would like to hold just a, a standard attack. If he actually pulls it out, then I will swing. Got it. Talia, what does Celine do? Celine is going to look at the Countess and say, Countess, you might want to step back a little bit for this. And then she's going to rush the closest goblin Hopefully, he can't see her yet and use her tail whip on him. He does not see you coming. All right. I'm going to use my tail whip first and then try to get him with my rapier. Okay. Make your attack roll. Ooh, that's a one. <laughs> a one is a miss. <laughs> <laughs> on, on everything. On everything. Uh, okay. Uh, go ahead and make your standard attack. That is an 18. An 18 is a hit. So I'm going to use my dagger and hit him for five. Great. Uh, Jason, you are definitely hearing the sounds of that coming one end of the alleyway. You're starting to suspect that Feats hasn't been on the up and up. Damn it, Feats. It is the goblin with the crossbow's turn. Uh, so, Brad, you see him take aim at Maximilian from the windowsill and uh, fire a bolt at him. And a one, as we went over just momentarily ago, is a myth on everything. <laughs> Editor's note, the main recording track with Fletch, Talia, and myself cut out at this point. Feats the Goblin Fence tried to attack Max the Goblin Detective. He missed, but that caused Max to use his held action to retaliate against Feats. And while doing so, he said in his pre-perfected character voice, We goblins gotta stick together, we shouldn't be doing this to each other. And now, back to the recording. Okay, so uh, that was Feats' turn, and then Jason's held action. Um, now it is Gilly's turn. Fletch, so I wanted to ask, where is Gilly in relation to the Countess and Celine? That's a great question. So imagine in a capital H, uh, with the middle part of the H being the alleyway in which Feats is confronting Max. Um, you are at the entrance to that alley on one side. The Countess and Celine are on the other side. Uh, and um, Doran is 
in the middle of the alleyway with everyone else. Close are the nearest goblins to Gilly? Or, Actually, yeah. pretty close. They are at the entrance to the alleyway, so a, a mere uh, 10 or 15 feet away. Gilly just kind of saunters up to the group of go- goblins. Well, kind of more hobbles because he has to use his cane to walk. Excuse me, uh, gentlemen. So uh, you, you look like you're scrapping for a fight or something. Uh, one of the goblins turns around and uh, eyes you menacingly. And he says, get out of here, dwarf. This doesn't concern you. I'm not a dwarf, Gilly says. I'm a, I'm a newsboy. <laughs> uh, he, he turns around and ignores you completely. Uh, makes to move into the alleyway. Both of them have their uh, short swords drawn. I'm still talking to you, Gilly says. Gilly's going to go ahead and um, try to move to intercept them. Um, the the lead goblin just he, it, it he doesn't look like he wants to to stick you, but he's getting real sick of your nonsense, uh, and he sort of makes he goes to make uh, like a strength check to just kind of grapple you and push you out of the way so that uh, he and his um, partner can get past. So if you'd like to go ahead and make an opposing strength check, uh, or maybe a monk has some sort of weird power I don't know about where you can, like, turn him inside out. <laughs> would like to make a dexterity check instead of a strength check to to try to avoid that? Is that possible? That is definitely possible. Go ahead and make that dex check. That will do the dex check instead of the strength. Thank you. Gilly got a 10. That is that actually uh, surpasses the goblin strength check. So, how do you use your monkish dexterity to uh, turn the tables on this goblin? Goblin kind of reaches for me, and uh, I kind of uh, pretend to kind of slip, kind of catch myself on my cane, uh, but I kind of duck under where he was grabbing at my arm. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, what are you doing in my neck of the woods again? Uh, Gilly's still going to be interposing himself in between the goblins and other goblin. So the the first goblin just sort of, he growls. Uh, he's obviously quite frustrated with this. And the second goblin says uh, enough. And he, he turns his sword and he faces off against you. He's frustrated enough that he just has completely forgotten about uh, Max and feats entirely. Ah, Gilly says, now you want a proper scrap, huh? He certainly does. <laughs> Brad, what does Doran do? There was a goblin in the window with a crossbow, right? Yes, that is the goblin that fired at Max and missed terribly. Uh, so he's in the process now of reloading that crossbow. And how far away is that guy from Doran? He's one story up and just across the alleyway, so a total of uh, maybe 20 feet. Doran will cast jump on himself, and he will walk over to that window and jump up into the goblin's window. Great. Um, Go ahead and let me see here. Roll a dexterity check. 15. 15 is very good. Now, I'm also going to roll a check for the goblin because I imagine that a dirty, smelly gnome leaping through a second story building about the last thing he expected to see on this job. <laughs> Doran is the knight. 
Uh, yeah, so as you sort of leap up to the window and, and grab the windowsill and climb in, um, this goblin sort of uh, shrieks in terror and falls over backwards into kind of the empty sort of warehouse space that's inside and starts scrambling away from you on his back as if you are some sort of gnomish garbage ghost. Uh, uh, that- <laughs> Dorian will say, listen, friend, we don't backstab people around here. That's not very neighborly. Okay, cat. Uh, it is now the Countess's turn. All sorts of exciting things are happening. Oh, and the Countess is just putting her, rubbing her hands together. So Celine is uh, engaged with a goblin. Is there another goblin near us? Yes, there are actually two goblins uh, next to. There's yeah, there's two goblins next to Celine. One that she hit with her dagger uh, and another that sort of turned around in surprise, but is still uh, right there next to it um, and, and could make an attack against her on, on its turn. All right. So the surprised one, the Countess, again, she's rubbing her hands together, very excited. And as she's rubbing her hands together, a flame sort of lights up in her hands. And she just says, ooh, time for dindins. And she casts Sacred Flame. And just sort of forces a flame-like radiance to to come down on on this goblin, uh, and it needs to make a dexterity saving throw. It fails miserably. <laughs> All right, and it takes six radiant damage. These are probably really good dice that I'm using for this session because. All the rolls have been really bad (laughs) when we start playing for real, though, because this is super sad. (laughs) We need to catch up still. Yeah. Um, Okay. uh, So now it is the goblin's turn. So uh, Talia, the one that you hit takes a swing at you with a a short sword Mm -hmm. and he misses. Cat, the other one, the one that got hit by your sacred flame, turns around and sees you and hurls a dagger in your direction. He hits for three damage. The Countess guesses. <laughs> Chris, both of the very frustrated goblins that you were engaged with uh, make attacks against you. I guess so. And both of them miss. Well, you can't now- win them all. We are back again to Jason. Now, Jason, the nine points of damage that you did to Feats uh, is enough to gravely wound him. He, the fight is out of Feats now. He is sort of like curled up around the wound, and he wants nothing more to do with this. Uh, but you notice that on either end of this alleyway, you've got some conflict happening, and you can also hear a goblin screaming in unholy terror (laughs) somewhere above you. (laughs) That is the situation that you are currently faced with. Max is going to look either either direction, look upstairs, say, call off your dogs, and I will see about tending to this wound. I need you to tell me where this stupid comb is. I don't, I don't understand why you need to fight. Just tell me where it is. And uh, I'm going to, uh, Max is going to sheath a sword and start putting pressure on the wound in sort of a, um, not a medicine check way, but more of a, 
I'm going to make it hurt until you tell me what I need to know sort of way. Uh, so Max, um, he's he's dropped his weapon. He was actually clutching at the wound until you put your hand on it. And he, he looks up at you and he says, that's what I was trying to tell you, Max. They ain't my goons. Oh. 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 And now it is Celine's turn. Well, Selena's going to go at this goblin again since it took a swing at her. Uh, this time, she's going to put her dagger back and pull out her rapier. 18. Absolutely a hit. Selene rolling in like a fishbowl? <laughs> <laughs> she's hitting uh, bowls around with the metal dice. So she did four damage. That is enough to uh, kill it. Play it low. We should absolutely we have like metal things and glass things on the table <laughs> next time. Right. Because I'm loving the sound of the ice hitting us. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like we're you can't roll the dice time. for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I roll the dice all the time. That was Talia's turn. It is now the goblin that until moments ago uh, was in the windowsill with a crossbow. Brad, it it uh, pulls a dagger out of its boot and charges you, still scared out of its mind. And it misses wildly. <laughs> hey, be careful there. <laughs> now it's Feats' turn. He uh, reaches into his pouch and, and pulls out a healing potion and sort of looks up at you expectantly, uh, waiting for the, the approval. Max nods. So. Okay. Uh, so he drinks that healing potion, and he uh, receives some hit points here that bring him back up. He's looking much better. His normal green color has returned to his <laughs> Chris, it is Gilly's turn. Flash their blades at him. He dodges out of the way of their initial attacks and says, oh, looks like you got a sword. I got a sword, too, right here. And uh, he pulls the sword from the cane. It's a onyx hound head cane and uh there's a thin blade in there that he uh basically stabs the nearest goblin with his short sword great make your attack roll uh, 16 that is a hit it is six piercing damage not quite enough to bring him down to zero right well then uh i go ahead and kick him too <laughs> i have martial arts Yes. So my sword cane is a mar- is a uh, monk weapon. Therefore, I'm using my unarmed attack as a bonus action. Yeah. So I'm going to hit AC 22, which I'm sure will definitely hit then. 100%. So I kick him right in the chest. He's about my height anyway. I'm three foot two. It's going to take six points of bludgeoning damage. That is enough to bring him down to zero. But you said you're not going to do lethal knock him out with that blow so that 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 blow is just meant to kind of knock his wind out of him and knock him unconscious effectively great great doran's turn yes uh doran will cast shillelagh if i'm saying that right on his quarter staff and advance on that goblin magic stupid great give him a give him a whack give him a whack that's a 12 yes that is a hit seven damage well if you won't listen to reason Doran says. Then I'll have to knock some into ya. Great. Uh, that is not enough to, to bring him down, but he is uh, looking not well. Cat, it is the Countess's turn. 
All right. The Countess is very upset that her garment has been torn by the dagger. And she puts her hands together as though in prayer. And if anybody were near her, all you would hear her utter is is a divine word to her, but probably not to very many other people. And she just says, lucky. And she casts Word of Radiance. And the goblin uh, that attacked her needs to do a constitution saving throw. He failed. All right. And he takes seven points of radiant radiant damage. Uh, That is enough to knock him out or kill him if you want to kill him. Um, she's kind of reading, the Countess is sort of reading the, the area and it seems like the goblins aren't being killed. So she's going to just knock him out. Okay. So now it is the goblins' turn. Both of the goblins facing Celine and Kat have been rendered out of the fight. Chris, there are still two against you. Um, the one that's already wounded... Uh, that you, oh no, I'm sorry, you did knock one of them out. The, there is another one, and he he takes off. He doesn't want to have anything to do with this anymore. So he sort of just runs off into the night. Could I yeah. get an opportunity attack on him? You would get an attack of opportunity against him. Right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do an opportunity attack, but I would I want to trip him. Okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and make a, a post strength check or something like that. Um, I, Since you're just tripping him, I'll let you make a dexterity check. Uh, well, uh, I, sw- I try to sweep the leg and, uh, you know, goes to sweep the leg, uh, kind of goes low and the goblin kind of skips over him and he's like nuts. I rolled okay. a six. Yes. Yeah. Not quite there. I envision a future scene of Gilly and Celine where we're both sweeping legs, one with a tail <laughs> and one with a cane. <laughs> that fight back to back sweep legs. That'd be yeah. Fun. Okay, so it's actually uh, uh, Jason's turn again, but I'm going to mix things up a little bit because everyone downstairs is basically out of combat at this point. Brad is still facing off against a goblin, so I'm going to have the goblin roll first and then Brad, and then uh, we'll get back into the downstairs stuff, which sounds way dirtier than I had intended. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) I want to go downstairs. Not <laughs> podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Brad, the goblin takes another swing at you, and he misses. So it is now your turn, uh, and you basically need to breathe on him hard to uh, knock him out. I'll do my solid best. Uh, yeah, that was going to hit for five damage. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is down. I'll knock him unconscious. Okay, great. Brad, would you like to uh, hop down into the alleyway again and sort of just figure out what's going on with everyone else? Uh, do- jump doesn't let you take fall damage more, so I ha- Doran has to make his way out of the building the normal way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're just walking down the stairs like everybody else. Yeah, just come in. I don't know <laughs> what building or Dor- I don't know what building we're in here, but yeah, Doran has to make his way out. Whatever. <laughs> Fortunately, the signage in this building has been very well designed and you're able to uh, navigate your way out uh, with relative ease. Um, And the exit takes you right back out into the alleyway with uh, Max and Gilly. And um, Celine is also basically in the alleyway. 
Uh, the Countess is still kind of further away across the street. Doral just dusts his hands off. Well, that was interesting. So for the sake of time, I'm going to skip the uh, kind of conversation that would normally happen at this point. Um, the intention here was to sort of bring everyone together with kind of mutual uh, needs and desires. Uh, Max needs to start a detective agency and he's having difficulty uh, lining up work. Most of the rest of you are sort of either in need of either money or uh, excitement in the case of the Countess. <laughs> and uh, this was intended to be kind of the, the catalyst that brings everyone together. We meet in the alley next to a tavern. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. You all start in a tavern uh, storyline. Uh, Completely different. We started next to a tavern. You started, yeah, you started a tavern adjacent. Tavern adjacent. It's the standard tavern adjacent uh, disgusting alleyway story beginning. Uh, Max explains that he has been hired to find a little chest with a comb of great sentimental value and that he would be pleased to split the reward with anyone that was willing to help him. As a reward, Max is going to clap Gilly on the back and, you know, like with the, the, the whole, we're both short people and we're going to arms around each other. There is always a reward in this kind of work. He smiles back at Max and says, yeah, I could get used to something like this. You know, part time, of course. Of course. Of course. Celine looks at both of them and says, well, it seems like I have some free time on my hands now. The Countess walks amongst them, and um, she's smiling and simply says, well, that was a bit of excitement, wasn't it? Yeah, Kat, the, the, the Countess, by the way, is absolutely loving how disgusting this alleyway is. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she sort of like gingerly taps um, Max and Gilly on, on the shoulders, but... Very, very gingerly because she doesn't actually want to get her hands dirty and they look a little dirty. Said, <laughs> I just got a little scrap, lady, Gillian says to you. Oh, and it was most excellent. Doran will walk up to the other two guys because he's, he's a gnome, so he's also short. He'll join them and he'll say, You're a, it's a detective agency, huh? Well, I'm a bit of an investigator myself. I wish it was all... Gnomes and goblins. <laughs> I just like that the two, the two tall people are the, are the women. Yeah. I'm a halfling. Oh, that's right. A halfling. We're not the same. So yeah. when he called me a dwarf, that was a little bit of a you know, slight. Um, <laughs> racist goblins. You guys could save so much on office space. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, <laughs> it's 221B and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I was a contortionist, so I could probably pick them too. Yeah. yeah. So basically, it's a giant space for the Countess, and everybody else is like tucked away in these tiny little corners. Yes. Otherwise, it could be like the office spaces that the gerbils use in that <laughs> Zootopia movie. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so uh, now that you have all been brought together so authentically and organically, Seats explains that um, the reason he's been running is because he's seen this comb. 
he had a thief already bring it to him and try to fence it. And while this thief is relatively new, uh, he didn't recognize him. Uh, the thief had explained that he works for one of the more ruthless gangs in the South Ward of Waterdeep. Uh, and that is a gang run by Doggart, who uh, is pretty renowned for being pretty cutthroat. And a lot of the people that work with Doggart end up sleeping at the bottom of Waterdeep Harbor with their shoes transmuted to stone. <laughs> so he wanted nothing to do with them, and he sent them on his way. Uh, he suspects that um, these goblins uh, may have something to do with that. So Max is going to look at Feats and ask, so if you were to take this comb off of this thief's hand, how much was he looking to get for it? Feats says that he didn't even give him a price. He, he found out that uh, he found out who this guy was working for and he was gone. Um, but he also, he says that the comb was part of a larger sale that this guy was trying to make and, and you recognize the other element of Oh, the, the, the um, entire cash. The cash. Yeah. Got it. Yep. And he knows um, a lot of the other fences. that he, Doggart has burned a bunch of bridges by this point, and it's entirely possible that the thief still has these things on him. Where can we go to find this thief there, Feats? Feats looks real nervous. Uh, he's not sure providing this information is worth the risk of getting on Doggart's bad side. Max looks at Feats and says, if Doggart doesn't know where the information came from, he can't act on it. Roll a persuasion check. That's a a natural 20. Uh, A natural 20 will do it. Uh, Feats (laughs) not. He seems to be mollified, uh, and he says that you can... um, you can, he knows Doggart's crew tends to hang out at the ale and things in the Southern Ward. And also, he's relatively certain he's seen that thief emerging from a specific hovel in the only, I hesitate to call it a residential zone, but there is an area where people have you know, kind of shanties and shacks and that sort of thing. Uh, And he thinks he may have seen him in there. Max kind of digs for a little bit more information. What sort of interference are we going to be looking at? Is he he well-built? Is he stocky? Is he wiry? Is he, you know? Uh, You're asking about uh, the thief or daughter? The the thief himself. The thief, he describes the thief as being wiry and happy. Uh, what what race? Human. 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 Oh, human. Not that I have anything against humans. Yeah. They're all yeah. over the place, those humans. Yeah. Humans. All right. I like them. They keep buying my paper. <laughs> <laughs> Max is going to look at the group and say, all right, so I have to get this chest that has this comb of sentimental value, but it also includes a cache of gems. And I have been hired to get the comb keep the gems so if you uh fine lot would like to join me in retrieving this chest from this human thief with one eye i would uh, be happy to split the rewards with you just one human thief 
well, I'm sure that I'm sure that he's got friends, but hopefully if we can catch him at his hovel instead of at the inn or the tavern, the alien things, then maybe we could get it easily. You want to check out the, that alien things place? Selene agrees. She's probably heard of ale and things and likely has sang there at least once or twice, so... This is not the type of establishment to have music. Oh. This is the type of establishment to have ale and, and things. And things. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's probably been there, too. The things usually involve a punch to the face. <laughs> the Countess says, well, I'm feeling rather punchy tonight. Doran will say, well... I don't know this town, but that sounds like the right place to go to me. All right. So Max says, off to ale and things it is. We want to go as a full group, Gilly says. Well, there's strength in numbers, isn't there? Doran will say. Max uh, looks around at the entire group and says, well, as a wise man once told me, never split the party. (laughs) Excellent reference. (laughs) That wise man, is he still around? (laughs) <laughs> I, see, I see him every Wednesday night <laughs> <laughs> so to the alien things yes, yes. just for yeah. reconnaissance and investigation great and I keep it on the down low a little and yeah. probably no chance of a bar brawl yeah we're not going to be conspicuous at all well I figure if we, if we go in separately sit at different parts of the bar Order separate drinks. So you arrive at the alien thing, um, and it's basically like a Western stereotype, right? You can hear a fight going on inside. The window no longer has any, and it seems like this was a decision that was made a long time uh, to keep people from breaking it. Uh, there's currently a, uh, a human draped over the windowsill, unconscious, and um, upon entering, it is the seediest of CD bars. Uh, most of the furniture is cobbled together after being broken times. It smells terrible, like vomit and blood. There's no kitchen. No one is serving any food. The bartender is pouring the ale liberally. And all of you can notice with your passive perception, you're difficult to miss, um, one corner of the inn seems to be chaos that reigns within. Uh, and in this corner is a sturdy table, uh, well-built and not broken. And sitting at that table is a giant man with a big, bushy red beard and um, scars crisscrossing his arms and shoulders. Uh, this is the man you know by reputation uh, as Doggart. I would have liked to have stopped off at, at the paper on the way. And as we, you know, enter, I'll have a few of them draped over my, draped over my arm. You know, when we get inside, uh, you know, my intention here with Gilly is to kind of get to sort of know who's who in the bar by offering uh, a copy of today's paper. Great. As I walk in, uh, I say, extra, extra, read all about it. Waterdeep underpress. This, so this crowd does not look like the crowd that reads um, uh, at all, let alone for fun. Um, but several of them do seem enamored, the kind of... A woodblock? 
Yeah, the woodblock prints. Yeah. Yes, they love them. Some of them are like, how did I make them so small and flat? And uh, with Gilly here is uh, twofold. One, obviously, if anybody's interested, and in I can break the ice by talking to them, uh, by kind of showing them the paper for today. The second is to provide enough of a distraction so other people can, you know, uh, do their work and kind of case, case the joint or or talk to Doggart or whatever the case may be. Uh, the Countess is genuinely interested in in this newspaper, so she's going to purchase one off of Gilly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, uh, just, you know, it's on the house for you, ma'am. Oh, I, that's, well, I suppose you don't need the money. And she just takes the paper and sits at the bar. Um, actually she, the countess takes a look at the bar stools to make sure they're, they're satisfactory to sit on. (laughs) To you kind of, as you kind of walk away. Uh, Well, but tips are appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) She she gives him a coin, um, and she actually takes one of the inner pieces of newspaper and sits it down on the bar so she can bar stool so she can sit down without dirtying her clothes. Fantastic, Brad. What does Doran do? Um, Doran is going to look around the bar for any sort of animals that might be in that bar—rats or large spiders or something of that nature. Uh, there is definitely uh, significant rat activity. <laughs> Doran and, will cast uh, Speak with Animals and investigate uh, if the rats have seen a uh, one-eyed man recently. In this oh, bar. this is great. I love this. This is fantastic. Uh, many of these rats, by the way, are large enough that they are on the verge of being dire rats. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be nice to them, or Doran will be nice to them. Yeah, the the um, the audience inside just like gives them no notice. It's like having little dogs running around on the floor. <laughs> Occasionally, someone will like reach down and pet a rat behind the ears. <laughs> Practically domesticated. Uh, okay, so um, refresh my memory with speak to animals. This is a spell. It's not like. It's not like having a conversation. You're getting sort of impressions and um, themes from the animals, right? It says you can comprehend and verbally communicate with beasts. Their knowledge and awareness uh, is limited by their intelligence, and they should at least be able to tell you what they have perceived in the past day. Okay, great. Okay, this is really good. Okay, so you are getting actually a pretty common frequency of people pretending to have one eye sort of to like either you know effective beggars or more menacing bandits and you know that very recently in fact last night uh the the biggest man the one that even rats are afraid of got into a loud altercation with a man that actually did only have one eye and that was the last time Anyone saw the man, uh, but also that many of the people that frequent the bar had been looking for him ever since. Excellent. Doran will go over to Mac. I had a chat with a rat. He told me Doggart might have spoken to our one-eyed man. Brad, also, um, go ahead and give yourself inspiration. Very well. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, Max, the information has been... 
uh, passed along to you. Uh, and I would presume the rest of the investigators uh, that have gathered. I want to make sure that we are being as discreet as possible as we are talking to each other. And Max, uh, so I want to make sure that I got this correct. The one-eyed thief was having a conversation with Doggart in the back corner. It was heated, and the the rest of the denizens of the bar have been looking for the one-eyed thief since. But yes. they don't know where he is. Yes. Okay. Uh, so Max is going to take that information, and I'm going to go to the bartender, and uh, I would like to use Thieves Cant to sort of say, hey, I need to help this one-eyed thief do you, the bartender, where I might be able to find him, since he seems to have incurred the ire of the man in the back. Okay, so you use Thieves Cant to convey that you're looking to help the one-eyed thief. Since it's clear that he's he's in trouble with yep. with the with the man. Yes. I need to help him. Do you know where he is? The the bartender seems really not disinterested, but not invested. He he says he he like spits into a glass before he starts scrubbing at it with his filthy apron. <laughs> uh, and this is moments before the countess from Hermied, so. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, he responds in Thieves' Camp and basically says that if he had any idea where this guy was, he would cash in on the reward in a heartbeat. Max will sly silver and say, thanks for the heads up, and leave it at that. Yeah, the silver hardly even touches the and snaps it up. You like risk losing a finger. <laughs> uh, when we were talking to Feats, uh, and he told us about the hovel, did he say where that was? Yeah, he gave you a vague idea of okay. where it was. I will uh, give the cue that we should probably go look at the hovel since he's not here and everybody here wants to find him and cash in. Awesome. Great. Is everyone in agreement with this plan? Yes. Works for me. Yeah, Gilly's all right with it. <laughs> <laughs> Celine just has to finish her drink, and she looks at the countess and just downs her drink before they go. <laughs> the countess, after observing the spit in the glass, just sort of pushes her glass back. You gotta finish that? She'll cast message and uh, and explain. There's spit in that glass. Oh, that's okay. I don't mind. And then she drinks that one too. <laughs> the countess just shudders a little and and walks off. Impressive feat as Doran walks by. <laughs> okay, so um, you kind of arrive at the hobble, and this is a, a very this is basically like the first part of Waterdeep. There are people living in kind of old tents and uh, houses that have been kind of cobbled together from, you know, scrap wood and old garbage cans. This hovel in question is an old military soldier's tent that would have been standard issue for a water Davian footman. You realize as you approach that it is unoccupied. No one is inside. There are certainly smells, but uh, there is no person inside. That's kind of odd. 
Max would like to investigate and uh, see what, see if there are any clues to what may have gone down here. Okay, so I anticipate that as we continue to play, investigation checks are going to be, they're going to happen a lot, and they're going to be super important to, like, moving the story along, too. Uh, So we can address this later on, too, if anyone has different ideas. But the way I'd like to kind of do this uh, to make it feel really noir-y and make it uh, uh, work with campaign in the game is I want to be kind of specific about what it is particular that you're investigating okay so what we'll do is i'll read the description of the hovel and you can choose like what it is about that that you to um and then hopefully that's the you know the end of the thread that helps you kind of untie the knot and figure out where it is that you need to go Uh, as i mentioned before this hovel reeks it smells like a chain smoking armpit there's also kind of a tannic smell uh, that you know you associate with uh, poppy-like weed that uh, some of the bandits and lower class tend to will sometimes smoke as a uh, opiate. Basically, the the corners of the room littered with these kind of waxed paper wrappings. Uh, that you recognize street vendors will sometimes wrap their food in these paper wraps. And a bundle is sort of strewn onto the the ground in one area that this looks like it might have long ago been straw. Uh, And now it's all kind of like congealed together and it's become this sort of, it's still got some depth to it, uh, but it doesn't look like it offers a lot of cushion. It's just kind of gross and that's it that's all there is in this room there are no there are no uh, containers of any kind of locker chests this is the kind of neighborhood where if you left your house anything that's going to be in there is going to be picked through and anything of value will be stolen max wants to my first my gut my first gut feeling was to investigate to see if there were any signs of a struggle here in this location see if there was a fight any blood, any uh, footprints that might be a one-eyed thief's running away. Uh, go ahead and roll your investigation check. Uh, 14. 14 investigation check. So uh, it doesn't look like any struggle has happened here. This looks like the, the messiness of a slob. Uh, someone that uh, maybe uh, at one point had to deal with strict rules and regulations. Uh, and is, um, to a certain extent, rebelling against that. Gilly's just making sure that, you know, nobody's really paying too much attention to where we are. I mean, there's a group of people that are from, you know, another part of the town that probably don't all fit in. Other yeah. That just entered this hovel, right, which could look pretty conspicuous. So, uh, you know, Gilly's pretty short, and he's he fits in a little bit more than others do in the area. He's just going to kind of hang out outside and kind of, you know, just kind of get the get the night air for what it's worth. I mean, it stinks out here, but uh, <laughs> but but, yeah, you know, fresh it's night worse air. outside. Yeah. Be, you know, he'll kind of be looking at his looking at his cane and, you know, kind of he kind of minding his own business. But, you know, at, at the corners of his 
be keeping an eye out for any kind of movement or or, or any uh, strange activity and keeping his ears uh, perked too as well for that. Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. Kat, what does the Countess do? The Countess is is pretty horrified by the by the uh, state of um, what's in here. Um, she's interested in taking a look at some of the wrappings. And um, you said that there is like probably some opiates lying around. Uh, the opiates aren't lying around. There's just the scent of it. Yeah, there's a tannic scent in the air, like burnt chemicals. So there's no sign that it's been smoked in here? Like there's no pipe or anything? There's no pipe. The Just the, the lingering smell of the smoke. Interesting. Um, the the wrappers, Kat, you don't recognize them as a infrequent visitor of the South Ward. But uh, Jason, you do recognize them as the wrappers that are tipped by Schultish meat pie vendors uh, that usually are on one specific road. It's the road at the South Ward Gate that leads out. This is the uh, wagon road that traders and marketers tend to use as they enter the city with wagons full of goods. Is there any uh, indication of how old? Uh, all ages. They are, I mean, there are, there are wrappers going back. I mean, there, there are wrappers with like moldy crustiness. Things are moving around in them. Like things are gaining sentience inside this. <laughs> Anything wrappers. super recent. I, uh, that is a, oh, that's a great question. I like it. Um, there are some sort of like food remnants, uh, that have not yet gotten fuzzy. Uh, these, uh, could be, uh, relatively recent in the, the last couple days. And, that was a great question. And we know those of us who are, um, denizens of the darker side of Waterdeep, we know that this is... These are food wrappers from a specific vendor uh, at the gates of the South Ward. Not a specific vendor, but a specific type of vendor. Got it. And there are not a lot of Choltish meat pie stands. Okay. Uh, this would be the equivalent of a falafel stand, not the <laughs> of a taco truck, right? Hundreds of taco t- trucks, not a lot of falafel stands. Got it. At least in Seattle. I don't know where the listener is, right? Max is going to ask Doran. So, since you're druidic, uh, how is your how's your sense of smell? Doran will look at him. Well, uh, not too bad, I suppose. Um, what would you like me to smell? <laughs> Can you make anything out of this? Um, this uh, these these smell this this weird this weed smell. Um, Doran will pr- will try a nature check. This is great. I love this. Go ahead and roll your nature check. Uh, 19. Awesome. Okay, so Brad, you are absolutely in um, nature of this smell. To get kind of into it a little bit more, there are definitely like pipe smokers. Uh, pipe tobacco is relatively less common is uh, kind of hallucinogenics and, and um, mind-altering drugs. Um they are more common in the cities where it is less likely to attack and eat you uh, and you need to keep your wits about you much more. But you are able to identify the, the origin of the smell as a plant that I have not named for these fish. But 
is definitely real in the Faerun. And you also know, um, based on the, the several days that you've been walking the city and, and looking for the bad guys in your backstory, that it's not prominent, um, that uh, there are relatively few people that, that sell this. Uh, and you could place a couple spots in the South Ward uh, where they tend to congregate. Ah, yes. I know the smell. It's weed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. <laughs> That's what it's called. And then, and then Doran will say, well, I don't know where to buy it in this city so much. I've smelt it here and there. But it's definitely got to be the cheap stuff. This guy didn't have much money. It seems like Max is uh, he whipped out a little notepad. He's writing this down and he's kind of talking out loud to the group as he's writing it down. So it looks like we have an ex-military type who took one of his tents, came here to the hovel. He's been eating chultish meat pies and smoking weed. Got in the wrong business with this uh, dogger guy. And now we could either try to try to catch up with him as he's trying to buy more food or try to catch up with him as he's trying to buy more weed. Yes, all of that is written down in dire moleskin notes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Countess says, well, I'm feeling rather peckish. I want, uh, Doran wants to, is there anything on the walls that's written or scratched into the walls? Uh, you can make an investigation check. Yeah, Dorn will check that out. <laughs> what did you get? 18. There's nothing written or scratched out on the walls. There is a large stain against one wall uh, that you don't want to speculate to the nature of. <laughs> oh, man. That kind of stain. <laughs> that kind of stain. <laughs> It would appear he's also a deviant, Dorn will say. Max writes that down. <laughs> Possible deviant. Uh, Celine will just say, I could go for a bite. Okay. Maybe you're home. Um, so you're, hendi- you're heading to the meat vendor area. Yes. Uh, where the, the choltish meat pie vendors tend to gather. You guys uh, collecting ghillie? On your yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Giving, them giving a, a different way, and Gilly's still waiting for you, twiddling his thumbs. Six <laughs> hours pass. Did you guys die inside yeah. the hovel? <laughs> Selena's gonna yell at him. She's just gonna say, "Hey, short stack. I mean, uh, uh what was your name again? Did you call me, Gilly?" Kind of turns an eyebrow at you and uh, and says, "Name's Gilly." Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go get a bite to eat. Could eat some food. Okay, getting out of this neighborhood. Uh, not recently. It's a little unsavory, but uh, they make good meat pies. Shulton meat pies. <laughs> it's so funny going back through and listening to this old recording and hearing us say Chultish meat pies before we realized that we were getting it wrong and they were Chulton meat pies. But yes, the origins of our Chulton meat pie obsession finally come to light. Hello again, Jason, your producer, also Max the Goblin Detective. 
That is going to do it for the first half of episode zero. Like I said in the introduction, this was originally just going to be about an hour long one shot. And we were just trying to see if we were going to get along at the table, see how everything was going. Fletch, myself and Talia, we were sitting at the table with a single mic in the center. So that is why our recording is so rough. Chris and Kat, Gilly and the Countess, they were at their home. And Brad, uh, as usual, is in Minnesota. So thank you for listening to the first half of episode zero. We're going to have the second half in two weeks. We've got a short rest next week as we prepare for season two, which was going to be starting in a couple weeks. Will the budding Waterdeep Detective Agency find the sentimental comb and the cache of gems? We'll see. You'll just have to tune into the second half of episode zero. Once again, I want to say a huge thank you to Tabletop Audio for letting us use their sound effects. We only used one this time, but we do really appreciate their support. If you need music or sound effects for your tabletop gaming needs, check them out, tabletopaudio.com. Everything Tim offers you can use for free if you would like to chip in. He's got a Patreon, and if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get alternate tracks of all the different music stuff. It's pretty cool. We subscribe to the Patreon. We use a lot of the alternate tracks in our regular production. And as usual, I want to say a huge thank you to you for listening. We really appreciate it. We've been getting some really awesome feedback and some really cool reviews. Thank you for doing that. It really helps grow the show. So yeah, until next time and the second half of episode zero, from all of us here at Adventure They Wrote, stay tuned for more mystery.